Excerpts from An Historical and Geographical Description of Formosa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. An Historical and Geographical Description of Formosa by George Salmanazar. The Preface when I first arrived in England, everyone was curious to discourse me about my own country, and for as much as my account of it was entirely new, they thought it my duty to publish it, and I readily complied with their advice, both for my own ease and their satisfaction. But when I had met with so many romantic stories of all those remote eastern countries, especially of my own, which had been imposed upon you as undoubted truths, and universally believed, then I was much discouraged from proceeding in my description of it. Yet, since truth ought to dispel these clouds of fabulous reports, and I could not escape uncensured even by myself, should I, by my silence, suffer you to remain in ignorance, or rather deceived by misrepresentations, I thought myself indispensably obliged to give you a more faithful history of the Isle of Formosa than as yet you have met with. But before I enter upon this subject, tis convenient I should premise some few things. Since then, as I before observed, there are such various accounts, and all different from what I shall give you, this is no reason for me to expect greater credit, but I leave it to the unbiased judge to prefer which he pleaseth, for tis not so much my concern to be reputed sincere as tis to really be so. But here I must entreat you diligently to observe what followeth, because the reputation of my book depends much upon it. In the first place, there are several things in their story which you are obliged to suspect, because they contradict one another in those matters which every relator assures you he has been an eye-witness of. Since then their tale is so consistent, there is very little in it that you ought to depend upon. But that I may expose some of their falsehoods, I will strengthen then what I assert by the authority of some English merchants trading to China, whose relations are much the same with mine, but vastly different from theirs. As, for example, Candidius and others, in their account of Formosa, tell us there is neither monarchical nor democratical government in the island, that there is no law nor punishment against theft, adultery, or murder, and such black crimes. But every man judgeth and revengeth his own case. For instance, if a man rob me of a hundred pound, I may steal from him as much by way of reprisal. If a man murders me, any of my family or friends may by the murder of him revenge mine, and so of adultery, etc. They tell us farther that there is no economy or order amongst the natives, that they are even strangers to the distinction of master and servant, that neither mines of gold or silver are to be found there, and that they have no spices. In answer to which, let me tell you that those merchants I have before mentioned, inform us that there is a governor in whom they paid large customs for everything they exported. If then there be a governor, certainly there must be laws, let Candidius and others say what they please. That they have gold, silver, and spices also, is likewise proved by those traders, 
who have exported vast sums of the one and large quantities of the other reason itself is sufficient to confute what they say of anarchy in our island for how is it possible for any kingdom to stand if no law or degrees of dignity are observed or how can a community be preserved if there are no penal statutes to correct offenders in my opinion if every one was left to revenge himself such a place must be a continued scene of murder and rapine especially since the formosans as candidius and others would have you believe do not look upon these facts as monstrous crimes but only as little tricks and piccadillos there are some likewise tell you that the island of formosa belongs to the chan of china but if so why do the chinese pay so great tribute to our governor for the truth of this i dare appeal even to the dutch themselves who are competent judges in the case ever since the emperor of japan has given them leave to renew their trade in formosa after they had many years been banished from thence as you may see in the book chapter thirty seven of the success of the dutch in japan i could here also add much more which for brevity's sake i omit for tis convincing enough to say that he who so greatly errs in one particular may reasonably be thought an unfaithful relater of everything else but whether these ridiculous story-tellers above mentioned vend their legends out of a design or for want of a true knowledge of matter of fact is not my business now to inquire chapter one of the situation magnitude and division of the isle the island of formosa which by the natives is called in their language gad avia from gad beautiful and avia an isle and by the chinese is called pacando is one of the most pleasant and excellent of all the asiatic isles whether we consider the convenient situation the healthful air the fruitful soil or the curious springs and useful rivers and rich mines of gold and silver wherewith it abounds for it enjoys many advantages which other islands want and wants none of those which they have formosa and japan are the remotest parts toward the east which are hitherto known or discovered and so they are the first countries that are visited with the rays of the morning sun formosa has on the north side japan distant about two hundred leagues on the north and west china from which it is distant about sixty leagues and on the south side luconia from which it is distant about one hundred leagues this isle formosa extends itself in length from north to south above seventy leagues and in breadth from east to west fifteen leagues being about one hundred thirty leagues in circumference it is divided into five isles whereof two are called avias dos lardanos or the isles of thieves the third is called great peorco the fourth little peorco and the fifth which lies in the middle and is called kaboski or the principal island is greatest of all the five being seventeen leagues in length and fifteen in breadth is most strictly called gad avia or the island formosa though all the rest which for distinction's sake are called by several names are comprehended under the general name of formosa and in this scene we shall use the word in the following account of this isle 
chapter two of the great revolutions which have happened in the island formosa we find in our chronicles that above two hundred years ago the island formosa had been governed for some ages by one king who in his administration depended upon the representatives of the people who were two or three men chosen in every city and village to take care of their public concerns this king whom the natives in their language called bagallo had one governor in each of the aforementioned isles subject to his power and accountable to him for their administration and this governor was called by the natives tano but about two hundred years ago the emperor of tartary invaded this island and subdued which continued under the dominion of the tartars until the third generation but the third emperor who succeeded after this conquest being an austere tyrannical prince who was very cruel to the natives and had formed a design to extirpate their religion did so provoke their natural rage that at last they did all with one consent take up arms and rose against his deputy and the forces by which he ruled them and drove them all out of the country after a bloody battle and thus they shook off the yoke of tartarian bondage under which they had groaned above seventy years and restored their natural prince to the rightful throne of his ancestors who now became independent not only of a foreign prince but of all the little commonwealths within his own dominions in which state they continued above seventy years during which time the europeans came thither that is the dutch and the english who maintained a great trade with the natives especially in great peorco where the dutch built a castle called taiwan at the same time while the dutch were there the chinese came and attempted to land in the island with a design to conquer it but were stoutly repulsed by the natives who took up arms in defence of their country and maintained a war with the chinese for some years until at last they drove them back into their own country and the formosans finding that the dutch under a false pretence of joining with them to force back the chinese had treacherously underhand assisted them to conquer formosa hoping at last to wrest it out of their hands and make it their own the hollanders were thereupon banished and prohibited to come any more to that island and their castle taiwan was demolished yet upon some fair promises they were afterwards permitted again to land there provided that they should stay but a little while and a sufficient guard should attend them and observe their motions thither therefore they came and when they can find what they have a mind to in formosa they go no farther but when they miss of their aim there then they travel further into japan that is to the isle of nangasake for they are not permitted to go to any other place however under these commotions formosa still preserved its form of government independent of a foreign prince until mariandanu first ravished japan by villainy and then conquered formosa by a trick of both of which revolutions i shall now give the reader short and true account as it is to be found in our histories and is firmly believed by all the people of formosa upon a constant tradition from father to son for the space of fifty years and upwards mariandanu was by nation a chinese but coming to japan while he was young 
he was by the favor of some great man admitted to some mean office in the court of the emperor chazadin where he continued some time and had his education but the emperor perceiving that he was a very ingenious young man and well qualified for a better office gave him at first some inferior place in the army in which he behaved himself so well that he was quickly preferred to a higher post and by his winning behavior and admirable conduct he so far insinuated himself into the favor of the emperor that he was gradually advanced from one post of honor in the army to another until at last he arrived at the highest and was made karilhan or chief general of all the imperial forces which is the highest office in the empire not only for honor but for power and trust and in the administration of this office he behaved himself with so much prudence and courage that the emperor loved him exceedingly but much more did he win the heart of the empress who was so taken with his gallant mien that she should not live without him so great was her kindness to him and she put such an entire confidence in his fair speeches that she would often meet him in private places which was a favor very rare and unusual in that country especially from so great a person as the empress having thus gained the love of the emperor and empress to so great a degree this ungrateful villain made use of that familiarity to which the empress admitted him and of that confidence they both put in him first to raise a jealousy in the mind of the emperor against the empress and then by this means to contrive an opportunity for murdering them both which barbarous design this bloody villain accomplished after this manner first he persuaded the emperor that his empress was in love with a certain nobleman whom he supposed and she often met him and had private conversation with him in the garden whereupon the emperor being highly enraged both against this nobleman whom he falsely accused and against the empress who was supposed to have kept company with him desired mariandanu to inquire diligently at what hour and in what place they were to meet together in the garden if it were possible for him to find it out and then says he come and acquaint me with it and i will take care that neither of them shall escape out of my hands until they have both suffered death according to the demerit of their crime this mariandanu promised to do as the emperor had desired him and some time after he came out of the emperor's presence he went to the apartment of the empress and having a good assurance of her ready compliance by his former private conversations with her he prayed her to meet him at a certain hour of that day in a certain place of the garden which she mistrusting nothing readily promised to do and appointed the time and place for their meeting having gained his point which was a great step towards finishing his design he went and acquainted the emperor that at such an hour the nobleman was to come and to meet his empress in such a place of the garden whereupon the emperor presently commanded his guards to be got ready with which he intended to seize them both together and bring them to deserved punishment in the meantime mariandanu having changed his clothes and masked his face that he might not be known to the emperor under this disguise meets the empress at the time and place appointed whom he most barbarously stabbed 
with a poisoned dagger to conceal the murder by stopping the effusion of blood the emperor comes at first all alone into that place of the garden to satisfy his curiosity of seeing them together fearing lest the appearance of the guards would make them run away and he perceived a certain nobleman as he supposed lying upon the empress in an unseemly posture he called for the guards who were at some distance from the place but while he advanced towards the nobleman not knowing him to be mariandanu mariandanu was too nimble for him who come fully prepared to execute the wicked design he had plotted for he had no sooner called for his guards but he closed in with him and gave him his death's wound with the same poisoned dagger and immediately after he had struck the blow he fled away with all possible speed through unbeaten paths among trees and bushes and so made his escape without being discovered when the guards came and found the emperor and empress both killed they stood for some time astonished at this strange and surprising event but they wondered most of all at the murder of the emperor who so lately parted from them and whom they heard but a little before call upon them to come to him some condoled the sudden death of two such great persons while others searched everywhere about the garden among the trees and bushes to find out the murderer but when they saw that no discovery could be made the soldiers began to mutiny and had not the captain of the guards diverted their fury by telling them that they must do nothing until they had first acquainted the Carlhan with what had happened whereupon a party was immediately dispatched to his house whither he had made his escape after he had committed the murder and when they came there and told him he seemed to be mightily surprised and troubled as if he knew nothing of the matter but to lose no time in a case of so great consequence he went in all haste to the place where having viewed the dead bodies he expressed his great sorrow with many sighs and tears for the loss of two persons so great and so good to whom he had been infinitely obliged and declared that this execrable murder had been committed by a certain nobleman naming him who had frequently kept company with the empress in private and had appointed a meeting with her this very day as he was well assured this discovery gave great satisfaction to the guards who being glad of the opportunity to revenge the death of their master went presently and struck off the innocent nobleman's head by his order who was the murderer himself mariandanu having thus far succeeded in his design wanted now only to be declared emperor which met with some opposition from those in the army who favoured the family of chazadin though he had no children by his empress but only by his concubines and for some time there were many cabals and factions about the next successor to the empire but at last mariandanu having pre-engaged a great party for him and being generally beloved by the soldiers by his prevailing interest in the army was chosen and declared emperor of japan which was the finishing of the great design he intended to accomplish by all the aforementioned villainies and cruelties about two years after he was promoted to the imperial crown of japan he counterfeited himself to be sick and caused innumerable sacrifices to be offered to the gods of japan for the recovery of his health 
but all these sacrifices proving as he pretended ineffectual so that these gods seemed either unable or unwilling to relieve him he declared though in deep dissimulation that it was necessary for him to seek for relief from the gods of other countries and to this end he sent an ambassador with a letter to the king of formosa who was to entreat the king of formosa in his name that he might have leave to send and offer sacrifices to the god of his country by whom he hoped to find that cure of his disease which in vain he had expected from his own gods though he had offered ten thousand sacrifices to appease them his letter to the king was to this purpose mariandanu emperor of japan to the king of formosa my friend etc being afflicted with a very grievous disease and having endeavoured by my oblations to pacify the gods of my country that i might recover my health i have found all my endeavours hitherto ineffectual whether through the anger or impotence of the gods i know not and therefore having a great veneration for your god of whose great power and goodness i am fully persuaded i must entreat you to give leave that some of my subjects may be sent into your island who shall bring along with them the beasts they are to offer in sacrifice to your god for the recovery of my health and if your god shall be so far appeased by these sacrifices as to restore me to health i do thereby promise you that through all the empire of japan and in all the other isles subject to my dominion i shall plant and establish your religion and so your god shall be our god and we shall live in perpetual friendship with one another i expect an answer to this request by my ambassador after the king of formosa had read the letter he sent for his priests and acquainted them with the contents of it and commanded them to consult their god whether he would grant what the emperor of japan had desired the priests hoping that they should reap great profit and advantage from the emperor by the japanese's coming into their country to offer sacrifice told the king that they had consulted their god and he had consented that they should come here to offer sacrifices but he had not declared what success their oblations should have as to the restoring the health of their emperor the king having received this answer from his priests sent for the ambassadors of the emperor of japan and told them go and salute your emperor in my name and tell him that he has leave from my god and from me to send some of his subjects to offer sacrifices to our god and if our god shall restore his health i hope he will perform what he has promised of establishing the worship of our god in all his dominions the ambassadors having taken their leave of our king returned home into their own country and acquainted the emperor of japan with the answer of the king of formosa to his letter who was very glad at the good success of their negotiation having further designs in it than they were aware of and therefore he presently commanded a great army to be made ready and ordered the soldiers to be put in great litters carried by two elephants which will hold thirty or forty men and to prevent any suspicion of the formosans they placed oxen or rams to be seen at the windows of the litters thus he covertly conveyed a numerous army into the isle formosa with many of the nobility of his court 
under the religious pretense of offering sacrifice for the recovery of his health but really with the design to conquer the country the numerous chariots were divided into three parts the greatest of which was sent into the capital city externetza and the two other parts into two other cities called bigno and kadze and at a certain hour appointed the chariots were opened in all the three cities the soldiers came out and with sword in hand threatening present death to the king and all the inhabitants of the city externetza which was likewise done in the other cities at the same time unless they would submit themselves to be governed by the emperor of japan the king considering that he had no other prospect but that of imminent and unavoidable death before him and that there was no hopes by his death to preserve the ancient liberties of his country chose rather to submit to the fatal necessity he was under than throw away his life to no purpose and the rest of the inhabitants everywhere followed his example in this surprising danger of death so that the whole kingdom was quickly reduced under the yoke of the emperor of japan without an effusion of much blood and from that time the emperor of japan sends a king into the isle formosa who is called tano angon or the superintendent king but he who was king before in that isle is only a begalandro or viceroy or one that is next to the king in dignity without any power and this is a short history of the manner how the isle formosa was subdued by the villainy of the emperor mariandanu who instead of sacrificing beasts to the god of the country as he pretended would have sacrificed the inhabitants to his own ambition if they had not prevented him by a voluntary submission to his rule and government i shall therefore in the next place give an account of the form of government in this isle which is now almost the same with that which is in the other isles of japan chapter nineteen of the commodities which they have and some that they want the great quantity of gold and silver that is in formosa is that which brings them the greatest profit for in the principal island they have two mines of gold and two of brass though none of silver and in great peorco there are two mines one of gold and another of silver in one of the isles of robbers there is a mine called a gold mine which is not valued in other countries because it is not truly and properly gold but it is highly esteemed in the isle where it is found because it is fitter for many necessary uses among them than gold itself is in the other isle of robbers there are two little silver mines so that in all there are three mines of gold and three of silver all these mines formerly pertained to the viceroy but now the king has one third part and the emperor another silver in formosa is almost esteemed as much as gold because it is fitter for use being a softer metal which is more easily wrought into any shape they have no iron or steel but what the japanese bring thither who have one mine of iron and therefore iron and also copper which is brought from other parts is more esteemed there than gold and silver but brass is very common among them utensils and dishes are usually made of gold or china earth their temples and houses are often covered with gold both in cities and villages 
but since the hollanders came there and exchanged their iron for our gold the natives have more rarely made any gold lead and tin are not the product of the isle but they are abundantly supplied with it from the neighboring countries silks and cotton of two sorts they have in great quantities which are very artificially interwoven with gold and silver one sort of cotton grows upon trees in bags and is the finer sort another grows upon a shrub like a thistle and is a coarser sort and this is the great employment of the women who of these materials make clothes carpets tapestry and such kind of things wonderfully fine of silk and hair are made velvet and plush but this kind of work belongs to the men and not to the women they have not woolen cloth because they know not how to make it but they receive great quantities of this cloth from the hollanders they make stuffs of hair and cotton but no cloth of flax which does not grow there but flax and cloth they receive from the dutch they work paint and gild china earth very wonderfully nay even much finer than they do in china they have learned from the hollanders to make a kind of paper which they knew not how to do before for they wrote either upon plates of copper or upon parchment but now they write on paper made of silk after the same manner as is made here instead of leather to make shoes of they use the bark of trees for the soles and some skins of beasts to serve for the upper leather end of excerpts from an historical and geographical description of formosa by george salmanazar